Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Alongside former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I am Brandon Kylie. We are going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line now to be joined by Bobby Marks. He's a front office insider right now for ESPN, formerly a vice president and assistant GM with the Nets. He worked with the Nets starting in 1995. I wanted to have him on to continue our conversation about the last dance. Bobby, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. How are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing well. So let's start with this. You you began your front office career with the Nets back in 1995. What was it like at that time to try to build a team that would ultimately compete with, at that point, the Chicago Bulls that were on one hell of a run? Well, I, I think at that time we were just trying to survive. <laughs> I mean, we had, you know, we were coming off uh, a 96-97 season where we had a, a first-year coach uh, named John Perry. Uh, who had never coached in the NBA. We had uh, we had made a bunch of uh, trades during the year to get some veterans, um, you know, like Sam Cassell and, and Chris Gatling. Uh, we had drafted Keith Van Horn um, in, uh, in that June, June of 97. We had, had drafted Terry Kittles the year before. And uh, we also had, you know, Jason Williams, who you know, turned out to be one of the better rebounders. So we, um, you know, it was kind of the, the, the beginning stages of, of what we felt could have been a roster that could have, lasted for for a couple of years and uh you know the funny thing is that um you know we as you saw in the documentary you know we played them in the first round and you know we were supposed to play miami in the first round but we wound up going on a i think a four game losing streak at the tail end of the year and end of the year and had to win the last game but yeah i mean it, it was i mean to, to put a roster it's it, it, it's almost like when miami put that roster together with lebron and, and bosh and wade it's like or even with Golden State with when they added Durant, it's kind of like, do you want to just hold off and kind of not make any rash decisions? And eventually that team will get older or maybe they'll break up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think with our group, um, you know, I thought there was some makings in there. And then we went about the, the lockout the following year and we go 3-17 and 17 and Cal Perry gets fired. And that was kind of the end of that group. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I remember that series pretty, pretty, pretty vividly. Back then it was best of five. Now, Bobby, it's, it's thinking about the, the Chicago Bulls here, and obviously let's exclude the fact that they had Michael Jordan. Let's just pretend he's just one of the pieces of the puzzle, not the major one. What was it about that team that made them so good and so special? Because there was a lot of teams that had great players that played together but could never put it together like the Chicago Bulls did. What was it from your viewpoint that separated them from some of those great teams that never could do it? 
Well, I, I think the more you watch the documentary is I, I think we probably didn't, didn't appreciate how great of a coach Phil Jackson is. Uh, although, you know, he's won so many, you know, what, 11 championships. And you always say, well, they just kind of had Shaq and Kobe in L.A. And you had Michael in, in, in Chicago and basically kind of just roll out the ball. And I think I always say half the battle is kind of managing the locker room, right? Managing the different personalities there. And um, I think that's kind of what what made that group so special, what made them different is because every one of those players were different, right? Between Pippen and Jordan and uh, and Rodman. And then you've had a lot, you had a lot of guys, you had a ton of guys, you had role players, guys that really had not done much before they got to, um, before they got to Chicago and, and Phil was able, was able to kind of, you know, install the triangle. I think you saw that one episode where, you know, basically asked Jordan to kind of change the, the, his style of play for the betterment of, of the team, because I don't know if they had, uh, if they didn't put the triangle in, I don't know how many championships they won, but for me, it's, you know, what made them special, made them great. I think it really starts kind of at the top with, uh, with their head coach. We're talking to ESPN front office insider, Bobby Marks. He's a former VP and assistant GM with the Nets, starting with them in 1995. Bobby, do you have a favorite Michael Jordan story or a favorite time or a for- favorite story of the bulls from the nineties? Well, you know, I had never met Michael Jordan until after that game one that we had lost in, in overtime. And I remember standing outside the um, um, the United Center. There's a, um, you know, there's a ramp that comes out where the players park and um, standing outside outside our bus with uh, with Michael Korn, who went to North Carolina and was there before, before Jordan and who did radio for us. And, um, you know, just standing with Mike and I, you know, Jordan comes out of, out of the, um, you know, up the ramp and then hits the brakes and he kind of, you know, hits the back and backs the car up to talk to Mike and Mike, uh, Michael Korn had to, you know, it was great for him. And he let me introduce myself to him. And yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my, my Jordan takeaway from there. But I think the great ones, you know, especially even in that game, um, you know, game one and game two, and then you saw what he did in game three. I think he went 16 to 22 and scored 38. The great ones is whenever they touch the ball, you think it's going to go in every time. I think you could probably say that about Kobe, you know, when he was playing. Um, you know, LeBron's a little bit different because I think he can score a lot of different ways here. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the greatness of Michael Jordan and those Chicago teams because you never thought they would lose. One of the things that was special about them, Bobby, is you had Michael, and we all have seen his greatness on full display in this documentary, but we also saw the greatness of Scottie Pippen, and we recently read an article from ESPN where you guys ranked the best players, I think it was 74 best players in NBA history, and Scottie was at number 21 on that list. I'd be curious, Bobby, how much differently do you think we ultimately view LeBron James's career if for the majority of it, he had somebody that he played with that was of the caliber of Scottie Pippen? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it really is. I mean, especially, um, you know, with, you know, with LeBron going to, you know, all those finals in uh, in Cleveland and certainly in, in Miami, um, you know, you know, he did have Wade and Bosch. I mean, I guess if you could say Kyrie and Cleveland here, but, um, you know, to an extent, yeah, he has not played. I don't think he's played with a, a level of a, of a player that Jordan had with, uh, with, with Pippen. And I think you see the greatness of, of Scottie Pippen and underrated. Um, you know, I think, you know, he certainly has caught a, a lot of heat based on, you know, refusing to come into that, you know, that, that game, that playoff game against New York here, but, yeah, be able to the versatility, the kind of wingman that um, you know that Jordan needed. Because I don't think, 
I don't know how many championships Jordan has, although as great as Michael was, if there wasn't a Scottie Pippen there. All right, Bobby. I, you know what? BK and I go back and forth all the time about LeBron and MJ because, you know, BK doesn't know as much about basketball <laughs> as I do, first and foremost. But secondly, if you're, you're the general manager right now, and I'm going to put you on the spot because I'm interested to hear what you have to say. It's Michael or LeBron and any era of basketball you want to put it in. You have to pick one or the other. You're the GM. Where are we going with this one, Bob? Well, I mean, I think if I had, if I can have Jordan in the era that is now, um, I'm, I'm certainly taking taking Michael just based on um, you know the lack, I guess, lack of physicality now, the the ability to kind of get to the free throw line. I think certainly you would probably see an increase in his in his points per game. I think what we've learned from this documentary, documentary, and although it's, it was out there, was that killer mentality, right? Like. That you know that you know he was at a different level than and then everyone else. And although yes, LeBron I think is the ultimate competitor. I think for me it would it would still be it would still be Jordan. You know, not really. You know, certainly based on the six championships there and and, be, and being able to do it with two different sets of team uh, teammates. But um, I think that 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 mentality there where. Um, you know, you were either with him or you weren't, and if you weren't, then he was going to kind of leave you behind. Bobby, I'm not going to hold it against you that you're wrong on this. <laughs> I do have one final question Bobby. for you. Uh, where are we right now from your perspective, from the people that you're talking with, where are we right now on the NBA's potential return and ultimately finishing out this season? Well, I think we'll know a little bit in the next couple of weeks here when we have a better understanding uh, how much testing is, is available for players and staff. I think... You know, certainly the concept of, uh, I guess we call it a campus environment, either if it's Las Vegas or Orlando, where we're basically putting all, all teams there. I think that's certainly in play. Um, I think there's probably more optimism now than maybe there was um, two weeks ago or even last week. I, I, the big thing is that with the league and the players have to get a com- comfort level with it is that is the tolerance level, right? I mean, as, as, we, as we've said, the virus will be here for a while, probably until there's a vaccine in maybe January, February. But how do we kind of mitigate against the risk of, um, you know, multiple players getting getting infected here? And I think I think where the league is right now, and it's 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 different than it was two months ago when we shut it down, is that they are willing to kind of proceed, even if the player does test positive for for coronavirus, as long as there's probably not that domino effect. All right, Bobby, we hear former players take on this. I've heard Shaq and now Charles Barkley talk about, you know, how the NBA should just uh, just just go finish up, scratch the rest of this season and worry about next year. Now, my question is more uh, about someone like Mark Cuban, who's such a prominent figure in the NBA and he carries a really big voice in the NBA. And he himself has said, well, I think we should just scrap the rest of this season and focus on doing things properly for next season. What does that mean as far as the return of basketball and how much influence do you think Mark Cuban has on other owners? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I respectfully disagree with those guys, and they all have great opinions, but I think if we're going to take that approach, then, we're not, then we might as well just cancel the 2020-21 season, right? I mean, eventually, and I, I understand there is a health component to all of this, but eventually we do have to try to get back to some type of, of normalcy, if, if, if we can say that. I don't think we'll ever be as normal as we were back in you know February or March, but um, we do need to, to proceed here because although there is a huge health component, 
I mean, the economic health component of this is huge, and not just for um, you know the players and the owners here, but you know I think we're at unemployment rates at fifteen percent right now um, with people trying to get back to work. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if I think it's easy to say, yeah, just scrap it and let's focus on twenty twenty one. Well. In 2021 season, it's going to be we're going to be in the same position until there's a vaccine in place, and that's why you probably see the season not starting until probably December or January at the earliest. He's Bobby Marks. He's one of the best in the business. Former Nets VP and Assistant General Manager. He worked in the Nets front office starting in 1995. You can now find him on ESPN, where he is a front office insider, and also on Twitter at Bobby Marks 42. Bobby, we appreciate the time today, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us, and stay safe out there. Thanks, you too, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. That's Bobby Marks joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That last thing he said there about if. These guys think that we shouldn't return this year, then we might as well just cancel the 2020-2021 season. So not only this year, but next year as well. That's the thing that is getting me, man, is if you want these players to not return, say the NHL too, this applies to them. It's not just the NBA. Mm -hmm. The NBA is in a very similar schedule situation to the NHL. If you don't want it to return this year, then how are you going to get it to return next year? You're going to be in a similar spot. Could it be different? Could it be a little better? Potentially, but we don't know. Now there's talk of this second wave and whatnot. I don't want to get into all the political mumbo jumbo about all of this, but it's going to be here for a while. And so we got to find a way to learn how to live with it. And that includes sports and sports have to push forward somehow, some way. It's going to be tough. It's going to be frustrating. There might be situations where things arise that we weren't anticipating, but is what we got to deal with. We got to learn to live with it. It's not a normal, it's a new normal, and that's kind of what we're looking at moving forward. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. The Junk Drawer is next.